Welcome to the Business of Eye Innovation, MedDevice Consulting's monthly podcast that focuses on all things ophthalmology. In this edition, we talk to Dara Paradiso, the U.S. Council General of Strasbourg, Patricia Hutsuer, who's Senior Health Advisor for Innovest for the Grand Est, and Renee Meyer, who's a French-American medtech expert. This conversation grew out of a conference that the four of us attended earlier in the spring that looked at the French-American relationship in the Grand Est in Alsace, uh, which is the region, eastern region of France. And we got talking about our experience as Americans based in the region and doing business. Personally, from my perspective, having been based here for 14 years, I find it to be a very welcoming environment for Americans into the med tech arena. Um, and you'll see in this conversation that all of us have that similar perspective. And it's what we talk about is encouraging companies to consider France when they're looking abroad. Welcome to the podcast. Around the table are four women who are American by birth. Patricia and Renee have spent a long time in France. I'm a little bit closer to that. Dara has spent three years here but has lived abroad uh, working in diplomacy for many years outside the U.S. And today we're going to talk about our perspective about doing business, working in Alsace, particularly from a, a med tech healthcare viewpoint, um, which is all about what MedDevice does. I'll start, I'm just going to go to my right and say, you know, Patricia, from your view, you've worked with business innovation. Um, now you're more on the investor side for, for many years. What is unique about the environment we have here in Alsace that makes it, in in your mind, a great place for international companies, or an okay place. It doesn't have to be perfect, <laughs> but. Well, I think there are different uh, different assets uh, that uh, the region has uh, to host international companies in the in the health sector. It's a a great place for science. Uh, we have uh, within the University of Strasbourg five Nobel Prize winners. Uh, either in medicine or chemistry or, or, or related. Uh, we are also the home of a, uh, of a cluster called BioValley, uh, which uh, brings together many companies from, from the life science sector. It's one of the major clusters in Europe in that sector. And we have, I think, access to, uh, to talent, uh, which is, I think, a big issue today uh, for many companies, considering uh, we are in this Upper Rhine Valley, as we call it, uh, where there are, uh, it's estimated that uh, more than 32,000 uh, people work in the life science sector, which is quite outstanding in Europe uh, if you compare it to, uh, to London, uh, which is closer, it seems, to the 4,000 sum, and the Paris area. 20 some, so it's a good place to be, I think, in that sense. I, I've never heard that number. I mean, that's, that's a huge number. Um, and, and I think very few people outside of our region probably realize the footprint that health sciences has here. Yes, and it's, it's been really quite a while because uh, this area is the, the cradle of European chemistry and, and, uh, and biotech, pharma, etc. So it's been like that for a long time, and it's really in the 1990s that uh, the three countries and this border area said, okay, uh, we have this fantastic potential, we have all these companies, we have so much research in this sector, but not so many people know about us. So uh, that's how the Bio Valley brand came out, and, uh, and it's been 
working since then, and uh, the French part has become a uh, competitiveness cluster, as we call it, a pool de compétitivité since, and, uh, and um, you know, so there's a lot of interaction, and it's a quite dense environment in the field of life science, I would say. Dara, as somebody who's been here for about three years now, um, and we were talking a few weeks back that you, you were not, you know, you were not aware of a lot of this. What have you, what have you learned or been exposed to in your, in your time as U.S. Council General here? As U.S. Council General here, one of the best things about my job is that I am constantly discovering new links between the United States and Eastern France. We have links that go back centuries from immigration that started here very early, uh, but things people don't necessarily realize in the U.S., even though we see them all the time. So the Amish came through here. Um, people have been immigrating from Alsace since the 18th century. Business ties are incredibly strong. American soldiers were here during World War II, and after that, we formed a really strong uh, economic and trade partnership. And we had a lot of industrial companies and automotive companies starting in the 1950s and 60s. And what's different here that I've seen is that our trade and commerce relationships continue to evolve. So now, instead of just being more of the heavy industry side, it is med tech and biotech, and it's been really interesting and fun to watch how that's changing with times. And Renee, from your perspective, um, first in Colmar, now in Strasbourg, and I know you're focused on building links from France into the U.S., um, so what is your perspective about the health science um, environment here in Alsace? Well, I just perhaps could mention that I started in Switzerland, in mm -hmm. Basel, and this is where you have a lot of life science companies, of course, with the two big Roche and Novartis. Yeah. So I was with Roche and then with the startup. And I think that there is a lot of talent that goes from one to the other, crosses the border in both directions, comes from the two universities. There's a lot of collaboration also with the universities, the, with the three countries. I know they have several programs together. And I find this an exciting place because, as Patricia said, we have, uh, we have the university. We have a top-notch hospital. I think it's a dynamic place. And what I always call uh, to attention of uh, French companies is this Germanic influence. I'm from Ohio, and we have a lot of Germanic influence there. So there's very much uh, matching of personalities, of mentalities, this, alum, this Germanic, let's get to work, hard work mm -hmm. mentality. And then you have also uh, something which is a little bit of uh, just a fun fact is that we're both along large water expanses. So you have the Great Lakes and you have the St. Lawrence Seaway. Mm -hmm. And here we have the Rhine Valley, which are both very, very essential mm -hmm. to shipping. And with this area, which started actually in Basel with the chemical industry and the dye industry, and then went into the pharmaceutical industry. So that was always the Rhine was very important to move things up and down. Right. I, I remember talking about the university and the Nobel Prize winners. Ten years ago, I was working with a cardiology startup in Zurich, um, and they said, oh, we've asked um, Jean-Marie Len to join our scientific advisory board. Go over and meet him. And, you know, I know this is a, this is a Nobel Prize winning chemist, and I'm terrified, and <laughs> I show up at his office at 7.30 on a Friday night, and I find him in the lab you know, working, working away. And the, the next week he calls me and he says, uh, this professor from Eindhoven who's, who took the part of my research and brought it to what the next company is doing is coming. You need to come over and meet him. And, you know, and this, 
this I think is kind of that Alsatian spirit about um, you know wanting to bring people together and share knowledge and everything and I, I was you know blown away by his his courtesy to me because I'm not a chemist I'm not a scientist and um, their willingness to teach me that but it it was one of the first experiences I had that really showed how what a value this university has um, that people I don't think fully realize and we talked about that a couple weeks ago at your conference Dara um, which was to bring together French and American based companies to talk about working here and what thinking about that what were what do you think some of the key take-home messages were from that day sure I think well it shows the tie, the ties were on full display there where you see companies that have been here for a long long time and also startups um, but I think the takeaways from that are that this is this is a region where it is easy to do business and where American companies have done quite well there's a good there's a very good track record here um, and also companies from here who have gone to the United States, same thing. So ties are very strong and they continue to grow. Um, I think what I've found here and what I hear from companies as well is indeed there is an extremely skilled workforce here. Mm. People are very hardworking and it's exactly as you said with the universities, the human resources are incredible here. Um, but for me there's also, as you said, this, this sort of open spirit. Of bringing people together and I think that part of that comes from being in a border area where you're used to crossing borders all the time it's just part of daily life yeah and that's very different than home for me um, and I really love it I love having the different influence the multicultural influence and that sense of openness to others to other languages to other people I think it's something that's really special in this area of France yeah and you go back to the United States and you talk about going over to Germany to go shopping and they all go but but how do you do that? The borders are open. And I think that's sort of lost on, on people who don't live in Europe and know, you know how we, we cross into other countries here. You can here. take public transit. Yeah, you can take the tram. <laughs> um, on the other hand, Patricia, what are some of the challenges of, of getting the word out about the health science environment in Alsace? And because you and I have known each other a fair number of years and have been involved with different outreach projects and things. And so what do we need to do better to communicate to American companies about that, that it is actually a very good environment to work in? What happens is uh, it's true that the, the region, uh, and generally speaking, maybe it's a question of personality or mentality there. There's not a lot of you know boasting of uh, we know we we're the best or whatever, and so it's maybe more of a modest type of uh, approach. And so uh, it's true when when we meet people, uh, companies all over the world, they uh, they may not know what's going on at first. Mm -hmm. Really, what happens at one point is when they decide to come over and visit, and that's a major switch where they really suddenly uh, uh, understand it. When we host companies, for example, in the, in the job I do, we help international companies set up, and uh, uh, sometimes companies will tell us uh, two days before, hey, we're in the area, can we come over? So we can we set up a program for them to meet, uh, you know, KOLs, and um, we discuss different issues such as setting up a company, et cetera, et cetera. And 
sometimes we have, we're you know very under very short notice we have to organize this program, but the whole ecosystem of uh, other companies, um, uh, agencies, uh, support agencies, uh, financers. Everyone gets together and, and agrees to be part of this program to meet this potential newcomer. And uh, there's really a great team attitude to support these companies in their endeavor to, uh, to expand. So that's something, uh, it's a fantastic asset uh, for the region and, and for companies that set up. They, they will find this ecosystem where there are all sorts of networks they can join and opportunities to meet, whether it's science or business opportunities and, uh, and going into to international fairs from this location. So, yeah. A general question to all three of you. Is language a barrier to coming here? Do you need well, to be? There well, there are several companies yeah. uh, in, in Eastern France, with, uh, American companies headed by people who who do not speak French, uh, and they manage. Hi. Uh, <laughs> no, I speak a little bit French. <laughs> no, you do. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, there are, um, I mean, there are international schools. There are quite a few uh, international programs uh, uh, from kindergarten to, um, to, to high school. You know, you'll find, <laughs> you'll find uh, uh, opportunities to either learn French, uh, to either learn English or German uh, in the private sector as well as the, as the public sector course we can always improve and I think uh, that's always an issue but uh, compared to other regions there's a fantastic offer um, in this area. Mm. Dara, your viewpoint is? I think certainly having French is helpful mm -hmm. and I would hope that most people who come here would try a little bit to learn. It Absolutely. Is, it is not the easiest I admit it <laughs> um, but it is really helpful even just to have a little however I think it, it also depends on where you are in the region the Grand Est region, even Alsace, are, they're fairly diverse depending on where you end up. In the bigger cities, in Strasbourg in particular, it's actually very international. Um, you can get around quite well without French. And part of that is that it's a very human scale university town or a small city, but you also have a very large international presence here with 75 diplomatic missions linked to the European institutions who are here. So people are used to dealing with bilingual people or multilingual people, and I, I find that they're actually pretty patient and kind about it. Mm. Yeah. And Renee? I give some classes in, at the university at um, the École de Management in Strasbourg, mm -hmm. and all of my classes are in English. Mm -hmm. And I think that people want to speak English. I think they have a very good written level of English because of the education here. I think to speak English, they often hesitate. And I find that students do not feel comfortable speaking because in the system, if you make a mistake, you're tapped on the fingers and they are not encouraged to go forward. So I tell them, it doesn't matter if you make mistakes. I still make mistakes in French and you just have to take, uh, just go ahead. Because when you're in front of a potential investor or you're in front of a, someone you want to connect to, you have to speak to them in English and you have to go forward. You can't hesitate back or they'll go on to the next person in, in the American culture. So they, you, they need to take a little bit of risk and that I think is it's taking a risk with the language also. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I used to train uh, French ophthalmologists to present in English. And there was one workshop where there was one doctor who and they were to present in English and they knew the assignment ahead of time. And he abjectly refused to present in English, got up and presented in French, even though her superior, direct superior was also in the course and presented in English. 
and and but what I've come to understand living in France is what you said that educational system docks you for making mistakes and so it's not about you know people say oh the French are arrogant the French are not arrogant the French it is a an educational system that trains you to be the absolute best at what you're doing and if you're not confident in that so oftentimes when when people say oh but you don't don't want to speak French and I go do you want to speak are you comfortable speaking English no okay so we're even on that so we'll work together and do a mix that learning and living in France and you understand a little bit more about what makes a nationality tick and it's very different from Americans where you just kind of plunge ahead and it'll be okay and you know we that's our that's our mindset so I often talk to students in my job as consul general. I talk to a lot of high school students and middle school students about what diplomacy is and the U.S.-France friendship. And my French is not fantastic. I learned French just before this assignment. So I started French in my 40s. My brain is not as spongy as it used to be. Uh, it's not an easy language. And I make a lot of mistakes. But I go and when I talk to these kids, I just go ahead and make a point of trying the best because I want them to see that I'm not perfect at it either, mm. and I always make the point that if you're interested in international relations or international work, you do have to just, you have to take a chance. And having studied Chinese and German and several other languages for many, many years, I know that no matter how long you study, it's not going to be perfect. No. You're still going to make mistakes. So I just try to convey that to the students too, because I think it's, you know, it's something that we can share and it's, you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Absolutely not. Now, I, I say, what I say about my French is I have one tense, verb tense. I lean into it and, you know, just bear with me. You know, it'll, yeah, I'm not, that's it. Because I've started learning French in my 40s, well into my 40s. And, uh, yeah, it's just different. Uh, but talking, you know, the openness, I, I, that was one of the things that surprised me the most was people's willingness to help you pronounce things correctly. And one time I was in the, the farmer's market, the Marche, and was trying to order spinach and said made the mistake of saying epinard, um, which you you all go ugh, and because it's epinard. And this elderly couple next to me, they got curious, and so I went to pr to point out what I was talking about. And when I pointed my finger at the vendor, and the elderly couple all went looked at me and said epinard, and they made me <laughs> repeat it until they were satisfied with my pronunciation and accent and then they told me have a nice day in English and so it was but there are these little moments that make it less kind of a scary place to be when you when you come into an environment where you don't speak the language um, and I was speaking with a, a French doctor at the weekend who has started a, a, a biotech company that's based he's trained out of Bordeaux he's French trained at the University of Bordeaux, um, is currently raising money, and he had a meeting last week with French investors, and his partners in this all are British. And nobody on the investor side was willing to speak English. And so the doctor had to do all the translation work and everything. And his comment to me was, you know, he knows about Strasbourg, and he said, you know, one of the one of the really good things he thinks about what we have is there is more of a bilingualism in our environment. Um, so, what are some of the other insider knowledge about 
working in Alsace and the advantages it can bring to a company. Dara? So you asked me before about the takeaways from our, our business summit day where we brought together the French actors who help businesses get settled and uh, the U.S. companies who are here. And I think one we did that for a couple of reasons. And one is that our mission is to make sure that U.S. companies are thriving and that they're being treated fairly. Uh, but also we wanted to make sure that they know all the resources that are here for them. And indeed, it's a small enough place, I think there's a good community. But it was a great opportunity to see what all of these French agencies that help with development and investment do. And so that's a major takeaway, that there's, there's a lot of support. And, but it's also, the systems are different, so it's also important to sit down and talk about how things function slightly differently, and the culture can be a little different too. But I think that um, the amount of support uh, that's provided here for companies is great. I think that one of the challenges is making sure that people know about that in English. Um, and it's being done pretty well online, but I mean, areas you asked also what we can do better, I think there are a couple things. Of course, making it simpler for non-Francophone people to understand what's going on is always something we can work on, especially on websites. Um, definitely on the international school front, it's a continuing project to diversify the offerings and make sure that there's something that works for each family. Um, and then finally, transport. You know, like Patricia said here, when people come here, they love it and they realize how special it is. But for someone who's sitting at home in the States and they're trying to figure out how to get here, it's actually not hard. It's a very short train ride from Paris, but we have to make that known. Yeah, just on, a, on another issue, I think is one of the assets that we have uh, is uh, market access, uh, which is really important as we are uh, a border region. Uh, we're bordering uh, <clears throat> Switzerland, Germany, Luxembourg, and Belgium. If you look at market access in, in Europe, within a radius of 600 kilometers, uh, 300 and some 70 miles or whatever, we have 50% of purchasing power uh, right there. Uh, this is quite important if you're you know, looking into, okay, uh, where should I set up? What should I do? Uh, you know, where are the markets in Europe? They, right here. Uh, if we look at the medical the med tech uh, sector, uh, Forty-eight percent of the market, medtech market, is in the in those five countries, including France, of course. Uh, so that's an important issue, and that's really very uh, motivating, I think, for for companies uh, that want to uh, that are in this uh, in the process of of selling, of course. Um, it's yeah. important. And we get asked a lot about logistics, and because normally especially in healthcare, people tend to think about around Amsterdam, the Netherlands, you know, they, they have a big hub there. But then I talk to them about um, what we have here in Strasbourg with Rainus Logistics Alsace, which is a dedicated you know, warehouse to pharmaceutical and medical device. And sitting right on the border with Germany, their ability to get across Europe and into the Middle East, et cetera, is, is unmatched. What we've shown is it's less expensive. and and. Again, that's a, a little kind of hidden gem that we have that people may not necessarily think about. Renee, you had a point? Well, transport, I was going to say that. Uh, and there's transport, I guess, in, in all senses. We had a tour of the ports of Strasbourg that afternoon. And I had no idea what, what we have here, how big it is. And what was the most special to me is that they work together, and the port of Strasbourg is actually uh, kind of a consulting firm in a way. And one of their 
major objectives is to make this a sustainable region, to make the development sustainable. So they will help one company come in that can take the waste product from another company and use it as fuel, and maybe their other waste products can be used for a third company. And they do all of this negotiation and put it into place. And I think, I don't know that that happens in a lot of places in the world, and I had no idea. And so the whole, with transport, but that it's so closely linked to the environmental and of course the social. So when you're talking about CSR, uh, that fits right into a lot of companies' scheme. And just to stay on the transport theme, but on a personal side, uh, the bike paths. So at one point we had the most bike paths of anywhere in France, and I think all of us, all of of us came on France. I think we're number yes, we're number two. Um, When I just barely, just barely. Yeah. We were number one until last year. Yeah, we'll, we'll right, work on that. right. Yeah. And personally, when I moved to Strasbourg, I sold my car. So um, public transport is very good. And you mentioned taking the train to Paris, which is less than two hours. Actually, I took it yesterday. It's an hour and 45 minutes, which where I grew up in Ohio, we had longer than that to go to the airport. So, yeah. And then we also have the bus, which goes to Frankfurt, directly to the, the Frankfurt airport, which is also quite handy. So mm-hmm. We won't talk about the German train system. Um, <laughs> no, but that's a bus. Yeah. <laughs> about uh, public transportation, also the... Um, the regional trains, uh, it's really quite interesting. Okay, we have the high-speed trains in France, mm-hmm. and they're quite efficient. It's true, it's, it's, uh, it's really easy to move around in France, and you don't no longer really need to live in, this, in, the, in the capital to, uh, to do business there no. or anywhere else. Uh, but also on the on a regional level, we have the, uh, the regional uh, high, uh, whatever, fast trains, uh, the TER, uh, which really connect uh, all the cities quite well, mm. uh, which uh, means that uh, you know they're, they're, they're used a lot, and, and it's also a way of um, having access to talent because people uh, will decide, okay, I want to live in a in a smaller town and, and, and work in, in uh, Strasbourg, for example, or work in Metz or whatever. You can, uh, and all this is connected and it enables people to really decide how they want to live. Uh, they may want to cycle to work. They want to may you know want to use the tram, or which is quite extended in, in many of the cities here, like in Strasbourg, uh, or the bicycle or the the, the, the regional train. So um, there's a lot of concern about that, and uh, also you know moving away when when wanted uh, away from the car, uh, yeah. which is partly which is uh, a goal. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah the port. I think it's the third largest employer. In the region, or in Strasbourg, it's one of the top yeah, three, if yeah. I remember correctly. And the port is also working hard to expand the river to rail system, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's very sustainable, mm-hmm. and so they're they're really expanding the rail lines, yeah. which is fun to see. That works. Yeah, I mean, I I took the the regional the TER to you know, I took went to Milan, and to Florence last week, just taking the train, um, and you can from Basel you can take a train you know direct into Milan, no stopping and. You know, sometimes we think, you know, I was asked, I have somebody coming a couple of weeks for a meeting, and she said, do I fly into the city of uh, the Strasbourg airport? Yeah, no. Um, but that, that is a challenge. I think that's a challenge, but I think it's reflective of the fact that, one, France is trying to move away from internal flights between cities and encourage trains, because we know there's less of an environmental impact. Um, but I also think it, it reflects, you know, what, what I feel is a very good train system in France, you know, especially when you can compare to other countries. And so 
we hear about, you know, there's always a lot of focus on the strikes and things like that. But the ability of this country to run and run well, I think, is something that often doesn't get talked about enough. And that comes to quality of life, which for me is yes. one reason that I live here, is yeah. uh, the transportation, but also we have such good products. Uh, we have farms really very close, so we have good fresh produce. Mm -hmm. We have the cultural life. To me, it, it's equivalent almost to Paris, but on a smaller scale, of course. Yeah. And when you can uh, get on your bike and go to the theater, get back on your bike, go have dinner somewhere, go another place, maybe another country, have a drink and come home, all of that on your bike in one evening, um, that's something that you can't find in so many places. No. So. No. And yeah, what do you say? Yeah, in, in addition to that, of course, there's also yeah, access to health. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the quality of, of, uh, of doctors and medicine as a whole is just uh, fantastic, really, and, uh, and affordable. And uh, okay, that's a whole issue, I guess. But, uh, uh, but also access to, uh, to schools. Uh, I won't go back into that, but public schools are, uh, you know, have a, have a good level and uh, and they're accessible access to uh, to leisure you know whether for, whether you have kids or for yourself doing sports or music or whatever it may be dance uh, <laughs> we uh, you know it's there and it's uh, it's accessible and it's accessible financially but also just geographically there's there's a lot going on and yeah. uh, so it's um, it's a great place to, to be I think for for as a you know as an individual but as a family also I think it's uh, it's a great place to yeah, when, when we started MedDevice um, and talked about where to headquarter it, one of the board was heavy, lobbying heavily for Luxembourg, and I'm like, no. <laughs> you know, there's, there's so much of an advantage to, to being here, and, and, and you know, especially the talent pool is just, for us, fantastic. And, but all the other things, and I get asked all the time. I, I think every time I'm around other Americans, I get asked about, so you're, this is where you're staying. You're not coming back to the U.S., and you... There's the quality of life here is to me one of the strongest selling points um, because it for all the reasons that you've mentioned and it just is a you know and it is a beautiful place to live too. I mean, how many offices overlook a, a, an eleven hundred year old cathedral um, and a six hundred year old you know wine cellar where we sit at the campus of the hospital and and the Every time I come back into Strasbourg from being somewhere else, I'm overwhelmed by the beauty of the city. I really am. And I just think we're incredibly lucky to get to be here. Definitely agree. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Super yeah. beautiful place. And I would also mention that in that cathedral, if you walk into the middle of the cathedral and you walk back to the famous clock in the back, if you just look to the left on the side wall, there's actually a plaque and a monument there that expresses gratitude to the American soldiers that were here during the World Wars. So this is a place that it's incredibly beautiful and it's got this quality of life and it's got enough that's different and new, but there's also a certain sense of familiarity, of course, because of the long ties between the US and France. France is our oldest ally, helped us in our war of independence. We helped France in its time of need during the World Wars. And as a result, the friendship and the ties are really very, very uh, deep yeah. and very diverse at this point. I mean, that has been spun off from sort of 
geopolitical connections over the years has turned into scientific connections and cultural connections and all kinds of different exchanges and it's it's really fun to discover those links as well and you know the second largest M&M's factory in the world is just 12 miles north of here so who knew right it's like a little piece of American culture right there um, let's see here let's see. Kobe well, Bryant lived here as a kid. Did you know that? I did not know that. Oh, his dad paid there, for the so French basketball. Yes. Yeah, people remember him riding his bike around. And um, speaking of things that maybe the U.S. has brought to France, people love basketball, basketball here. And I have to say it's pretty fun to be able to get front row seats at the arena here because it's not quite the same as the NBA as far as demand, but it's still really popular <laughs> and fun. Um, so there's a lot that we've brought in as well. And for me, being here just a short time, I found it relatively easy to integrate and get comfortable because mm. there's a lot that's new and different and exciting, but there's also a certain sense of familiarity. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And yeah, the SIG, our, our basketball team is one of those, you know, and it usually has about half Americans. It's made, the roster is usually about half, five, yeah, about half, half of the, the team is American. So there's a certain familiarity there. and. Um, yeah. Anything else to add? Any final words? I think one of the one of the things when uh, French companies are going to the U.S. and one of the big differences is the perspective on risk. And American companies, when they're coming here, they need to realize that people are risk adverse. It's yes. just the culture. And French need to understand that the Americans are not risk adverse. No. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, for investors, that's something really to think about. I think that's where um, American investors can perhaps, if if they're interested in in investing in France, they have to realize that they they really need to show what they can do. French companies need to show that they can get out of that shell. And as I said before, with the language, it's good to be accompanied so that they, they're not doing that on their own because it's, it's not really a natural thing mm-hmm. to, to confront risk in the French culture. And to me, everything is based in history. The American culture is still a pioneer culture. And I was watching a Western the other day and I thought people still talk like this, <laughs> at least in the Midwest where I'm from. And the French culture is very historic. It's static. It doesn't change as much which is wonderful when we look at the middle of the city and you have this 13th century cathedral rising up and you, here we're at a building that was before a hospital and it was not torn down but it was redone, still in the same optic, um, but the history is important so they keep things and that's something that's the siren in the background tells you we're on a campus of a hospital. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah I, I agree, it, it is, that, that his, there's that hesitancy and, and I remember when Sarkozy was president and he, and he started the what was called the auto entrepreneur program to encourage entrepreneurship and it was sort of you, you sort of felt this tentativeness you know the Americans all dived in and signed up because it was a way to, to work but for the French it was more of a learning um, now I think it's quite popular but it was it, you know entrepreneurship was not something that we talked about here and I still always get, you know, you Americans, yes, you can, yes, we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, I think there's a, you know, a, an interest in in history and and really, you know, uh, preserving 
what has been around, etc. But definitely a sense of uh, looking forward now yes. and, and innovation. And uh, I think a place uh, like like where we are right now, and uh, you know the fact that we have. Uh, uh, so many startups, uh, and if we look at the uh, the, the incubator that we have uh, here in eastern France, it's actually one of the top incubators in France for the health sector yeah. in terms of number of companies that are incubated. Uh, so a lot of stuff is going on, and and uh, uh, a lot of support for innovation in France. Mm -hmm. uh, if we look at the R and D tax credit, but uh, we can also you know look at regional tools uh, and other national tools to support this innovation, uh, so that. Uh, the idea is that we we you know continue uh, you know staying ahead in, in this in, in certain fields where we we have a fantastic we have fantastic science in, in, in France and, and um, yeah so tradition but uh, but also uh, moving, very forward looking forward. And, and keeping yeah. you know keeping on top of, uh, of what's going to happen tomorrow and making sure that we uh, that uh, France stays in the um, I guess in the ball game. Uh, I think that's a beautiful elaboration on what I was saying originally that I've seen, that we have this very long friendship and this very long commercial relationship between the two countries, but it's evolved over time. And in some places you see you see sort of a, a rise in trade and commerce, and then after a while it kind of falls off as industry changes and as the world changes. But that's definitely not the case in this region. I mean, we've gone from automotive supplies and parts and chemicals. There's still some of that, but we've also, as you said, the region has evolved and the support has evolved. At the same time, things have evolved on the U.S. side, and now we're seeing different kinds of research collaboration, and uh, especially in the medical and health area. Um, so it's just it's very exciting to see, and I think it has kept the relationship between the two countries very strong. U.S. companies still employ 23,000 people in the region. We have over 200 companies present in the region. Um, companies from here are also still investing in the U.S. And we're seeing a change in the different fields where people are looking. And I think that's really cool to see how that changes with time. And I hope that it will last a lot longer because the relationship, the commercial relationship between the two areas is super important. Yeah, and I think the Strasbourg Eurometropole is sort of banging on it with the investment here in NextMed. And if you think, you know, we are, yes, we're an American-led company, but we're very rooted in France, and we'll have neighbors soon that's General Electric. A division of General Electric will be moving into the building. Another French-American company, Help Me See, which does surgical training, will be moving, it will be neighbors of ours very soon. And so, and I remember Nicola Pelleran telling me, who's the director of NextMed, um, we... Patricia and I have been around long enough to remember the, you know, the start of the grand dream, you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago. <laughs> and at that time, I was always the lone English speaker at the ERCAD ESU. And, and Nicola said to me when we were talking about moving here, he said, you know that the, in all these buildings, it's, it's English is the dominant language now. And that tells you how the environment has moved and changed, and it's because there are more of these international collaborations that are happening. And that, that is very super exciting to, to me personally. Well, thank you all for coming and joining us today on uh, the Business of Eye Innovation. Um, we really thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Thanks, thank you. Chris. <laughs>